Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Point Church today. Thank you for being here. My name is Donnie Williams. I'm one of the pastors here. And especially if, you, if you're here for the first time, we would love to meet you. Just come down front after the service and introduce yourself. Well, we're in a series called My Questionable Life. And the whole idea behind this series was to capitalize on those few weeks, you know, when everybody says, I'm going to go to church more frequently in 2015. So we thought, well, let's cover the first five weeks of the year with something that maybe intrigues people, that makes them want to come back. And so if you've been making it for the last few weeks, thank you. You know, you're doing great. Just keep up that resolution. But we've been talking about if we live our lives in such a way that causes people to ask questions it can't help but be a good thing. So we call it my questionable life. And what we want everybody to do is live in a questionable way, in a good questionable way. To live our lives in such a way when people see how we do things, how we communicate, maybe if they stand back and watch us over time, they would say, hey, I'm just curious. Why do you do that that way? How do you find so much hope or direction, or why do you handle your money, or your kids, or your relationships that way? Just to live in a way that evokes curiosity from people. And we've been looking at the ministry of Jesus, and how Jesus lived in such a way that it just made people ask questions. I mean, constantly. And if you're a follower of Christ, your ultimate example is Jesus. And so we look into his life and see that people are always asking questions. So If we live like Jesus did, then people will ask us questions. And so five weeks on my questionable life. Sooner or later, no matter who you are, no matter what your personality style is, no matter if you're shy or you're vocal or you're outgoing or introverted, no matter how God wired you up, sooner or later, if you are a follower of his, you are going to need to talk about why you believe what you believe. Imagine I stuck a microphone in the middle of the stage today and I said, okay, we're going to line up starting right here. We're going to come across the stage and each of you are going to say, I believe because, or I'm investigating the claims of Christianity because, and, and you said that and you just walked out the other side. Some of you would enjoy that. I would have to take the microphone away from some of you and say, hey, I'm the pastor, all right? I get to talk for 25 minutes, not you. Some of, some of you, I would have to do that. Some of you would head out the back door. It would strike fear inside of you that, oh my gosh, I got to talk about my faith. I got I to talk about what I believe. That really scares me. So it'd be really easy for some of you and it'd be really difficult for others. In the first week of this series, if you were here, we, we talked about this, this quote that, a quote that I've used in messages that I've written, that I've read for many, many years. And here's the quote. It says, preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. Now that quote is attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. That he said that, and so we, we investigated a little bit and found out that he actually never said that. There's really no evidence to prove that he said those words. So somebody somewhere thought that was valuable, and so they attributed to a famous person thinking maybe it'll get some mileage, and it has. There's a couple of problems with this quote. One is, he never said it. Another is, it really doesn't make sense. It would be like saying, feed the hungry and when necessary, use food. It'd be very similar to that because how can you, what, how can you communicate the love, the grace, the forgiveness of Christ by never saying anything? And so 
there's never a time when what, what, what we shouldn't do from this quote is mistakenly think that, well, I'll just live by example. I'll never have to say anything. There are times you don't say anything. You just serve. You just love. You just make a difference, of course. But sharing the message of Christ means that we do it with our words. And so for all of us, there needs to be a time where we do that, where we speak about what we believe. In the New Testament, you read about Jesus' inner 12, the, the guys that traveled with him, that saw his ministry more than anybody else. And one of them in particular, his name was Peter. And Peter had this opportunity to speak out for Jesus one time, and he didn't. It was during Jesus' arrest, right before his crucifixion, right before he was executed. And Peter, one of the apostles, was asked, do you believe or do you follow Jesus? And he said no. He got asked a couple more times, and he said no. But he was restored by Christ after Jesus' resurrection. And many years later, this guy Peter, who failed miserably at sharing his story, wrote to the first century church some words of encouragement and, and some challenge for them to be able to share their story. We're going to look at that plus a couple of other episodes in Scripture. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. It's yours to keep if you would like a Bible. If you would like to borrow it, you can do that as well. All the Scriptures I read are also on the screen. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 3, the Apostle Peter says these words. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Now, when I first became a follower of Christ, that verse really intimidated me. Because I would think, how can I memorize all of these verses that, I, that the people I was around, they, they seemed to know the whole Bible front to back. And I was like, I can't do that. My mind doesn't have that much capacity. It's not that big. I can't do it. Like, I can't memorize all that stuff. And I was very intimidated by it. I, just, I don't have a great memory. I mean, I have to think and write and, and speak out loud for hours to even be able to stand here. And still, I have to have this to make sure if I get off track and I see the timer getting close to zero, I can quickly get back where I'm supposed to be. So you don't know if I'm memorizing something or if I'm just talking. You just never know. You might go, oh, he's got such a long memory. Not really. I'm just talking. And whatever comes out sometimes, that comes out. And it's, I regret it at times. My wife's like, why did you say that? I was like, I don't know. I was just kind of on a roll, you know, going and, and it just happened. Sometimes I introduce myself to people here a couple times, and you've been around a while, and I've met you, and I forget, and I, I just want to ask a blanket request for forgiveness if I've done that to you. If I've said, oh, is it your first time? And you're like, uh, no, we went to lunch last week, you know, <laughs> it wouldn't be that bad. But if I say, is this your first time, and it's not, please don't be offended. I try not to say that uh, because, you know, I meet so many people every week, and, and it's difficult, so please don't be offended by that. And if you are forgive me. I will work on it. I'll do better. But it's easy to be intimidated by what Peter says, like always be ready. And if somebody says, some, some, somebody that's been to seminary and thinks they know, know something, what do you believe about propitiation? A what? You, you know, I'd like, I'm not sure really myself. I don't even know where that word came from. You know, I just, I just said it. That's an actual uh, biblical, you know, what do you believe about the Trinity? What if somebody says that? What would you, it would be scary to explain that. I think this verse intimidates us for a couple reasons. One is, we've, 
if, if you're like me, you've seen people handle it poorly, sharing their story or giving reasons. I used to work on college campuses and every college campus I worked on, there was a guy, different guy, but he had a box usually and a big thick Bible about that thick that clearly he had been reading and clearly he had memorized lots of stuff and he stands on his box and he preaches. Anybody ever seen that? That's, you know, he's standing there, he's preaching all this stuff from memory. He's yelling stuff out at people. And I can remember scratching my head thinking, there's probably a better way, you know, to do that. So it's intimidating to think, well, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to, I don't want to turn people off. And, and then we think, well, I'm intimidated by these words because I don't want to offend my friends. What if I invite them to Christmas Eve and they're Jewish? They're like legit Jews, you know, like, and I've really offended them. Or what if, I, what if I start to talk about what I believe and they, they don't even have a frame of reference or they're quite the opposite or, or they're conservative and I'm not or they're not conservative and I, you know, what if it's just, what if I offend them? So that's another reason to, to kind of get some anxiety up about, well, how do, I, how do I do this? I'm just not sure what to say. It can seem really complicated. So if we're living our lives in a questionable way, it means we're going to have opportunities to share our story But that simple idea can really be intimidating. So, but what if I could give you a a reason or a a way to share your story of what God has done or is doing in your life in a really simple, easy way? I mean, I I think you would want to know. Yeah, if I could know how to do that with confidence and, and simply do it, yes. Who goes to Dunkin' Donuts? You don't have to raise your hand. A lot of you do. I saw people there today, okay? They won't give you a cup. I had to buy it. So on Dunkin' Donuts right now has this thing called Share Your Dunkin' Story. And it says, hashtag my Dunkin'. So what they're hoping is, you know, people go to Dunkin' Donuts. I just go there to get tea or uh, I have to confess, those donuts with the, with the pink icing on top, they're really good. In my house, we call those Barbie donuts because we have girls. So I love Barbie donuts from Dunkin' Donuts. And I get one a couple times a month. And, and so I noticed this hashtag, my Dunkin'. So I thought, well, let's see what, what, what that's all about. So I did a little research and found out that it, it's actually a, a, a great marketing idea. And here's what the director of marketing said from Dunkin' Donuts. Every day, our guests share through social media the many ways Dunkin' Donuts coffee makes a difference in their daily lives. We believe one of the best ways to demonstrate this passion is by giving our fans the opportunity to share their enthusiasm through their own words, pictures, and stories. I thought, that's pretty cool. Get on Twitter, check it out, My Dunkin' Story, or My Dunkin'. Here's some of the ones that I found. Driving home from New Jersey, stopped at Dunkin' Donuts and tried this salted caramel hot chocolate. One word, amazing. Just found Dunkin' Donut pumpkin flavored K-Cups. Best day ever. I mean, you're not hard to please if that, it's like the best day ever. Wow. Pumpkin flavored K-Cups. My life is complete, you know. Locked keys in the car, but we have coffee. And they took a picture of their Dunkin' Donuts cup on top of their car while they were waiting to get, uh, get their keys out. Every time I order Dunkin' Donuts, it's an adventure. Wow, boring life if that's an adventure. (laughs) Just drove 35 miles for my small iced caramel because our vacation spot is in the middle of nowhere. 
And then comedian Jim Gaffigan showed up in, in, the, in this Twitter feed. I felt really tired and horrible. Then I drank coffee and felt tired and horrible. Then I went to the bathroom. My Duncan. <laughs> so it's simple. They're trying to provide an experience that makes you go out and talk about it. Genius. Thousands of people are doing that. Get an experience, and obviously some people love it, and then they go out and they talk about it. Have an experience, share a story. It's pretty simple. How many of you have never been on a cruise? I'm one of you. I'm with you. Be proud. Come on. Never been on a cruise before. I haven't either. And, and, but if you know somebody who's been on a cruise, they've told you about it, right? And they don't just say, oh, I went on a cruise. It's like, oh my gosh, you have got to go on a cruise. 5,000 strangers, a water slide, and all the food you can eat, and you're trapped at sea. You have to go. I think, I just, I don't see it. I don't get it. I don't get the appeal, but okay. I would imagine on a cruise ship, on the first day, they don't say, hey, on deck number three, we're going to have a class on how to tell your friends about the cruise. They don't do that. They just provide this awesome experience that some people love, and then people become their best voice. They become their best marketing plan. And I think the very same thing can be done with followers of Christ talking about the difference or the experience that we've had with Christ and how it's changed our life. In the book of John chapter 9, there's this story about Jesus going, uh, just going about his business, but he runs into this guy who has an issue. And this story is from the ministry of Jesus. And, and when we look at it, it's going to help you feel equipped to be one of those people that can tell your story. It's going to help you feel like, well, you know, if somebody asked me, if they had a question, why do you believe what you do? You could respond with confidence. So this is something that if, if sharing scares you, if this verse from 1 Peter makes you think, oh, I'm not sure, that's kind of scary. This will help you share with confidence because eventually somebody's going to ask. Eventually somebody at school is going to say, hey, I hear you go to church or a Bible say, why do you do that? Or somebody at work is going to notice that you're different. Or somebody on the playing field, they're going to notice that there's something different about you or the kind of employee you are, or the kind of boss you are. And somebody's going to ask the question, why do you do what you do? And this story in the life of Jesus is going to give us all confidence to, to answer that question without fear. It starts out in verse 1 of chapter 9 in the book of John. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. So he's just walking along. So sitting on the street, probably in his way, would have been this man who was sitting there blind, but he was probably begging. He probably had a cup or a basket or something and asking gifts for the poor. And he, and he would have been poor because that is the only way he could have gotten money. And not only that, if you were blind or had any kind of other physical issue in your life in the first century, they looked at you like, there's something wrong with you. You are cursed. You've done something wrong. Something bad has happened. That's why you are like this. And so Jesus sees him, and immediately Jesus' disciples, the guys that are supposed to know more than everybody else, because they're with Jesus every day, start to ask the question, like anybody would have asked in that day, who sinned Jesus to make this guy blind? Was it him 
Or did his parents sin? Because in their minds, they would have thought he is cursed. And Jesus responds with, nobody sinned. It's not because of sin. But we're going we're gonna to let the work of God be displayed in this blind man's life. That's what we're going to focus on. So it says that Jesus spits in the dirt, makes mud out of it. I know it sounds gross. Makes mud out of it, puts it on the guy's eyes. And then he says this. Go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. So blind guy sitting, meets Jesus. Jesus puts mud on his eyes and says, go to this pool. So he goes, which is about a half mile walk from where they were. He gets down in the water. He washes off the mud and miraculously for the first time in his life, because he was blind from birth, First time in his life, he can see. So what would you do? Well, you go tell everybody, right? You go to your friends and you say, hold up three fingers. I see him. Hold him up and ask me. I see him. Look, I can see. Can you believe that? I met up with Jesus and this is what happened and I can see. And, and, and all of a sudden, his neighbors, instead of starting to rejoice with him and celebrate with him, this happens. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar said, yes, I'm the same one. So this guy shows up, used to be blind. Now he can see, and his friends are saying, that's him. Other friends are saying, I'm not sure. And he's like, look, look at this. I can see. Take a swing at me. Watch. I can see. And they're not listening, and they continue not to listen. And so they say, well, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud, spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. Well, where's he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. I mean, he probably said, I don't know, I've never seen him. I was blind the last time I was around him, okay? He could, they, you could be him for all I know. I don't know. I mean, he comes wanting a party. He's ready to celebrate and they're like, well, where is he? I was just blind. I couldn't know. They immediately start asking more questions and more questions. And they get so upset with him, it says they take him to the religious leaders, the Pharisees of the, the, who were the religious leaders of the day. And then the Pharisees start to ask him question after question. Then the Pharisees decide, well, let's ask his parents. They bring his parents in. They're going to a big investigation. And the reason they were upset is not that he was healed. They were upset because they didn't do it because they couldn't, and it was done on the wrong day of the week. It happened to be on a Sabbath, and they didn't like that. So they're not, even, they're not even considering the fact this guy that was blind can now see. They're just worried about, well, somebody did this on the wrong day, and we're going to get the bottom of it. And we're going to bring his parents in here. And so they say, is this your son? Yes, that's our son. He says, Jesus healed him. Hey, ask him. He's old enough. I don't know. They're afraid too. They won't even answer. And so they, they go back to him a second time and ask. He says the same thing again. It's just not working well at all. It says that the Jewish leaders refused to believe. And so they start bullying the guy and continuing over and over. Tell us, tell us, tell us. And they say, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And so what they're trying to get him to do is say, I misspoke. It wasn't Jesus. It was somebody else. I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. It, it was God who did it. 
Jesus, the guy, didn't have anything to do with it. So you're the blind guy, and you're, people are pressuring, pressuring, pressuring you. And then finally, I can, I can imagine he gets frustrated, and he says these words. I don't know whether or not he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. And in the middle, Jesus came in the picture. I could never see a sunset. Now I can. I could never watch the wind move the trees. Now I can. I could never watch kids playing in the street. Now I can do that. I could never look into the eyes of my parents. Now I can do that. And what happened between being blind and now is this guy, Jesus, came into my life. Stop asking me questions. I don't know anything else. And they get so angry with him, they kick him out of town. They're like, if, that, if that's what you got, get out. If you, if you think Jesus did this, leave us. Get away. Well, somehow this news gets back to Jesus that this guy got kicked out of town, and here's what happened. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You've seen him, Jesus said, and he's speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. So here's something this guy figured out. I was blind, I met Jesus, now I see. And he can even add to his story. I was alone, I, I was kicked out, I was shunned, I was rejected. Jesus found me. I, did, I wasn't even, I was just alone and Jesus found me in my loneliness and now I worship him and I believe him. That's his story. And all he talks about is the before and the after. I was blind and now I can see. How many times in his life do you think he may have told that story? With no theological training, with no scrolls to quote all the Old Testament, which would have been all he would have had available at that time. With no schooling, nobody saying, well, you better know this method right here and these five things or, or these three things or you're not going to be right. How many times in his life do you think he said, gather around, kids? I want to tell you a story. I was blind. Now I can see. And the reason for that is because I met Jesus. Simple, easy, an experience that he went out and he talked about. So our challenge is to make sure that this experience we have with Christ is something that is so dramatic in our lives that we go talk. We speak about it. So that verse in 1 Peter is not quite as intimidating anymore. If somebody asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. I was blind, and now I see. You can debate it. You can be upset about it. You can get angry with me about it. But you can't ignore the fact that I was blind, and now I can see. It's that simple. You can do that today. Every person in here who is a follower of Christ, can fill in these blanks. If you don't remember anything else today, remember how to fill in these blanks. I was this, and now I am this. How would you fill that in? And whatever you would put in those two blanks, that's your story. That's what you say when people question, why do you do this, or why do you believe that? For him, it would have been, I was blind, and now I see. For you, it may be something completely different. Maybe you say, I was an angry person, and now I found peace. 
If, if you're a person, especially a teenager, and you've grown up going to church, and, and you've just always gone to church, you don't have to go out and have sex and get drunk to have a story, okay? All you have to do is say, I used to have my parents' faith, and then I met Jesus, and now it's my faith. And now I understand it for myself, not just because they took me to church and read the Bible to me, and I inherited their faith. It's because I investigated for myself. And now I believe. You don't have to have this radical, I was way off doing horrible things and then I found Jesus. Maybe, maybe yours is I was stressed out, I was a control freak, but now I'm learning to have joy. Or maybe yours is I was, I was a bitter person. But I met Jesus and I'm learning that I'm forgiven and I'm learning how to forgive. Maybe for you, it's, I, I was angry all the time at everything. And then I, I took that anger and I, I got angry at the right things. And now my life has direction and purpose that it never had before. Every person in here, you have a story in those two blanks that you can tell that can influence other people. You don't have to worry about being offensive because it's your story. They can fact check it. They can do whatever they want but it's your story of what Jesus has done in your life. And if you're here today and you're just investigating what does church have to offer, what does Jesus have to offer, maybe somebody invited you, maybe you're not quite ready to take that step of faith, you can still complete those blanks. More, yours would be more like, I am searching. I'm hoping for something better. I want to be a person that lives with peace. I want to be a person that doesn't live with anxiety you still have a story to tell while you're on your journey. When I was going through college, I had a bunch of different odd jobs to try to, you know, help, you know, pay for things, make some money. And one of them was at the mall. I worked at this store at the mall and retail is, I have respect for any, anybody that works retail. And so I worked retail and, and, and while I was at this particular job, I, when I accepted Christ and all of a sudden my boss would see new friends come in. And one day he said, who are those new people? I'd never seen those before. And I was like, oh, it's people from my church. Your church? You go to church? Oh, yeah. It's like, so are you saved now? I said, yeah, I am. Really? And so just in a couple seconds, I just told him the story. I was doing this, and now I'm not. And, and now I got these new friends in this church, and it's amazing. And he's like, all right, man, if that works for you, <laughs> that's all I got. But I told my story like that. You can do the same thing. So we can steal Duncan's idea. They don't need to be able to just spread their message. We should be able to spread the one that we believe too, right? Go to Duncan, have an experience, tell your story. How about meet Jesus, have an experience, go tell your story, and you can do it in 140 characters or less. So here's mine. Here's what you're going to see. If you're friends with me on Facebook, you follow me on any other social media, I'm going to write this tonight after the last service. I was insecure and afraid. Now I'm confident and secure. My Jesus story. Let's do that today. Those of you that you know what the blank would be, you know what you would say. And if we had coffee cups, we would put it on there. I was blank. Now I'm blank. My Jesus story. Tell your Jesus story, whatever it is. Tell your journey story that you're on right now, whatever it is. Because as you live for Christ, every day and you understand his grace and love and forgiveness that is always showering upon us no matter what somebody's going to say hey why do you do that 
And you'll remember, okay, I'm living this questionable life. Somebody asked. Tell your story. I'd love to see it posted online this week when I check my Jesus story. Let's pray. God, help us to live questionable lives so people ask questions. And God, give us the confidence to share what it was like before you and what you have delivered us from or what we hope to find as we search for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.